Did I ever tell you one about Big Daddy Kane? Did I ever tell you what it was like to listen to hip hop and growing up in Brooklyn before Jay-Z, before Biggie, before me, and before Houdini? Did I ever tell you about Patti LaBelle and working with the great Bobby White? Did I ever tell you what it was like to pose with Madonna and Naomi Campbell? Did I ever really tell you about Big Daddy Kane? Did I ever tell you the one about Because this season is all about me. What's up guys, today we are here with the Ruetta Tea Tumbler. They recently called me and they said, Austin, it's perfect for coffee too, so that's what we're gonna do today. Touch water on the kettle, and I start out with 19 grams of whole bean coffee. Everyone's favorite sound in the morning. With most coffee makers, you have to have a funnel like a V60 with filters, or you have to have a French press or a Chemex, and all of that is expensive, it's complicated, but with the Ruetta, all you have to do you add your grounds right into the cup. And then with their fine mesh strainer here, acts as a French press for you. So after your water finishes heating up, all you have to do, add it straight in. And you're ready to go. Is there a way to end a coffee commercial? No? Okay. A lot of y'all have been asking me to help you. I have over 450 DMs of people who want my help. I didn't know how to help all of you until now. I have joined Vidsig, V-I-D-S-I-G. You can download the app now and schedule time for me to break bread with you. I can give you advice on your business, whether you're trying to get into the music business, whatever the business is, I believe I have the knowledge and the know-how to at least give you some consultation and some support where you need it to help your business grow. And I'm not just another celebrity on VidSig, I am now the chief creative consultant for VidSig. So I will be bringing others like me onto the platform to help you. So join VidSig, join me, and join the community. That's V-I-D-S-I-G. Download the app today. Party people in the place to be. You're now rocking with the S-E-R-C-H. No gas face given. Um, how you living? It's good to see y'all. Uh, it's a beautiful day. Uh, a lot of good things going on in the world here. And um, just so thankful to be here with y'all. Uh, in the words of the great prophet Jay-Z, you could have been anywhere else in the world today, but you're here with me and I appreciate you. Also got to show love and appreciate my sponsors, including Bruetta Tea. Thank you to the brothers at Bruetta. They're an amazing tea company. Uh, check them out, you know, uh, at uh, Bruetta.com. That's B-R-U-E-T-T-A.com. They make the finest tea in the world. And also, what I just learned is also you can make, you know, coffee. Unbelievable. Speaking of coffee, this brother is definitely dark chocolate and sexy. <laughs> his podcast has just become the number one. I just found out this. It is the first number one music podcast on Apple to premiere and debut at number one. Uh, he is a, dare I say, a legend, but more importantly, a dude of incredible integrity, uh, passion, who loves hip hop more than many people <laughs> love their own children. Ladies and gentlemen, King Asiatic, nobody's equal. Big Daddy Ken is in the building. How are you, sir? What up, Serge? Dude, I, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed getting to know you uh, in the last six months of this process uh, because there's things that you think you know about people and there's things that you assume you know. 
And then there's things you find out from the horse's mouth. And one of the things that I love about this podcast is how many people come up to me, uh, either in DM or come up to me on the street and go, man, I had no idea that that about Kane. I had no idea Kane was cooler with KRS than he was with Rakim. I had no idea Kane, you know, the accolades, just the amount of uh, reverence that they have for you. Uh, above and beyond what they normally had. Has there been any kind of feedback that you have found shocking, interesting, strange, funny that has happened since the podcast has been released? Well, um, you know, I've seen a lot of those statements um, online, you know, people saying, you know, why I didn't know you was cool with this person. I didn't know you did this. I didn't know you did that. Um, You know, so a lot of that stuff I saw online and I was just like, you know, like, okay, yeah, this is, this is dope. So like questions that I guess normally don't get asked in interviews um, are being explained and, you know, made known for the public. One of the things I found out (laughs) really interesting to me is uh, you're a bit of an introvert. Uh, I, I, you know, for me in getting to know you, uh, and I'm talking about getting to know you when I was on the road with you, which was, you know, it feels like Two years ago is a little more than two years ago. Yeah, um, two. <laughs> yeah, a lot more. Than, maybe a twenty and a two together. Maybe a thirty and a two, but a lot more than two. But yeah. dude, you were always such an outgoing dude. You're always, I mean, reserved, cool, demeanor, whatever. But always an outgoing dude. And has that become a part of who you've become as a, a bit of an introvert, or has that always been part of your personality? Well, when you say um, when you say outgoing, what do you mean? I mean that you, when I used to see you, whether it's at the club, whether it's you know at your one of my favorite is your birthday party. One of my favorite parties of all time is going to your birthday party, or when we were on tour, you were there. You were the host, if you will. You weren't only the headliner; you were the host. You made sure everybody was cool. You would come to everybody's uh, dressing room. Y'all cool? Y'all ready? Everybody ready? Oh, y'all playing dice? What's the bank? You know, you were that dude. Um, One of my favorite memories of being on tour is that you had a regular, like you would go to dinner, like you you had a crew. You, Slick JC, you know, Scrap, you guys would go out to dinner. Hey, does anybody want to go roll to dinner? Like, you were a host. I've, I've, I've heard, I've heard that before. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm be honest with you. I don't really know how to define it. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just me. That's just me. I really don't even know how to define it, man. But you're such a quiet person in real life. And that's the same thing that's just so surprising to me, brother, is that like, you're really very quiet. You're very reserved. Is that who you truly are? Or is, is it kind of turn on and off depending on, on where you are? Well, I mean, I just think there's a time for everything, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a time for everything, you know, sometimes, you know, you need to sit back, relax and watch what's going on. Other times you need to make your presence felt, you know, you know, it really just depends on um, what's going on, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and you definitely made your presence known in the culture uh, coming up in uh in new york in the 80s and 90s um are there anything that you remember about coming up in terms of making your presence felt that came through your lyrics more than it came through your demeanor your personality so i and i'm asking you this you know mc to mc was there a time where you said to yourself when you were either writing something, when you were, you know, thinking about a lyric, thinking about, you know, wordplay, where you're like, you know what? I got a funny feeling a lot of people are gonna hear this record. So like I gotta really put I got whatever I'm gonna say, I gotta make sure I put my stamp on this. So when people see me in the street, their reaction to me is, yo, that line you said right, yo. God, that line right there, that was that shit. <laughs> um, nah, I can't necessarily say that um, um, that was something that, you know, I tried to achieve. I mean, I tried to, you know, 
uh, make sure that I'm writing dope lyrics and something unique and crafty. But um, I can't say that, you know, like, like I, like, you know, like I planned ahead of time, you know, for like, yeah, they're going to, when I say this, they're going to, you know, um, the closest thing would probably be Raw, you know, just the song Raw, period, because, um, you know, I was so tired of everybody thinking just rhyming with Biz was Biz song. So, you know, that was something that I wrote where like, yo, when they hear this, yo, they going to know that I'm coming. They going to know that, you know, there's a new dude on the block, you know. Like that would probably be the closest thing. I Yo, could here I am, R A W, a terrorist. Here to being trouble, two phony MCs, dude. That yeah. So to and I'm just gonna tell you as a fan, almost as a stand at this point, more than a fan as a stand. The line about the money, because when it comes to money, your grandma like felt felt like that was one of those lines where I was like. That was one for me. Two was in the symphony. So put a quarter in your ass because you played yourself. Like, seriously, bro? And I didn't tell you this when we were face-to-face -face and we were doing this. But, dude, that was one of those lines where half my – I didn't throw away a whole ROM book, but at least a good half of ROM book got tossed somewhere. Like, maybe <laughs> off the Verrazano. Like, I might have made, like, one of these declarations. Because when you said – yo, so put a – Quarter in your ass because you played yourself. I might have done a declaration where I went on the Verrazano Saturday Night Live style and just threw lyrics in the air. And I'm like, yo, I'm through. That was one of them. But your ROM flow on um, Set It Off, Let It Roll, Get Bold. I just can't hold back and fold because I'm the man in control and effect. What the heck? Rock the discotheque and the groove is what's next? Yeah. Fuck you. And I and I say that lovingly <laughs> with all the love and 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 just humbleness. But <laughs> banana, you're a fucking fuck you. And and I love you, but really, like you had to sit back and go, oh yeah, no, that's some shit. Like you had to really be like, let it roll, get bold. I just can't. I just well, I mean, can't. That, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. That intro you know, was me really trying to do um, James Brown's Sex Machine. Like, you know, I'm listening to Sex Machine and just the way, like, he done built up a whole energy before the beat even, you know, dropped. You know, I'm about to, I'm about to get into my thing, moving, grooving, doing it. Can yeah. I help you? you yeah. Know, you know, there's like one, two, three, four, boom. boom, boom. Yeah, so I wanted that way. I'm like, I'm building up the energy before the beat drop. But I didn't want to talk. I wanted to do it in lyrical form. So that's why you like, let it roll, get bold. I just, and then, you know, end with, and this groove is what's, you know? Yeah, I was, that was me really channeling into James Brown trying to do the sex machine thing. And and it wasn't, maybe because we were young and maybe because we were just so in our own vacuum. I never saw it as a James Brown uh, connection. I saw it as an MC who felt like he had a chip on his shoulder. And it was something that I really loved about what you did throughout your career. Cause, and again, I'm not trying to like put anything out there that I shouldn't be, but you know, you and I went on a press run for this and I was fortunate enough to hear some new up and coming lyrics of songs. And bro, the passion you have for your wordplay is still undeniable. Um, and I don't, again, and as much as I love that you're humble and you're an introvert to give accolades to James Brown, I didn't see it that way. I mm -hmm. saw it and I will continue to see it as an MC who just needed to put his stamp on this culture, who needed to, and maybe there was an inflection and maybe there was an importance and a collaborative importance between artists from the past and, and this. But brother, you have said some shit. You've said some shit. Um, I appreciate it. No, 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 I appreciate you. Um, I, I did want to ask you this because I, I I get this a lot. People come up to me a lot and talk about the, uh, the, the Jay-Z line about I know who I pay God, Searchlight Publishing. 
And they asked me a lot about that in relation to Nas and do I own Nas's publishing? Yeah, da, da, da. Um, you and I have something very similar because uh, he said in one of his records, I've seen the same thing happen to Kane, three cuts in the eyebrows trying to wow out. Mm-hmm. Game is ours, we'll never foul out. Y'all just better hopefully, you know, gracefully bow out. Um, when he said that, what what did that what does that mean to people who are uninitiated? When he said he I, he saw the same thing happen to Kane, three cuts in the eyebrows trying to wild out. Um, he's talking about you know what he was going through in his career at the time, and basically saying that you know um, he knew how to deal with it because he saw the same stuff happen to me. You know, um, we had a conversation about it on the phone. Um, uh, when the, when the song Do It Again came out, um, Angie Martinez played it and she asked, you know, yo, New York, I think he getting a cane, hit me up and me know what you think. And, um, you know, I guess it got back to Jay that, you know, that, like they're making it seem like like you was dissing Kane and Jay, you know, he he hit me and he explained the line to me, and um asked me would I be willing to be in the video and you know and everything was cool. You know? Yeah, I never took you know it's funny I never took it as I always took it as paying homage, but again because maybe it was inside baseball and I knew that Kane was uh, sorry Jay was on the road with us Jay you know Jay was a young man who was on the side of the stage watching you every night when he was on the road with us. Mm -hmm. I actually had a really interesting conversation with someone. um, And I don't want to like put him out there, but a pretty big influential person, uh, very close to Jay. And um, that person said, um, he was talking about Jay's professionalism on stage. And he was talking about how Jay, when it comes to, you know, his stage presence, what he does on stage, that he's very strategic. He doesn't have this gentleman I was speaking to, you know, said that, you know, he was saying like, you know, Jay's, and Jay said to him, he's like, he goes, it's because of all the years I watched Kane. Because of all the years I watched him and how professionally he was about his business and, and being on stage and, you know, his stage show and his presence. Um, and to leave that kind of legacy for yourself, um, that's got to mean something to you, right? I mean, it, it it means a lot to know that the brother was um, paying attention because as a, you know, a young dude that's coming into industry completely green to everything, um, I had so many mentors to educate me. Um, you know, I had um, Bismarck E to educate me about, you know, writing songs. Um, I had Dougie Fresh to educate me about stage. I had um, Rick James, Jalil from Houdini, and um, Barry White and others to educate me about the music industry. So if something that I did, um, you know, or said, you know, um, transcended like into uh, a younger cat that's trying to get on, man. I, I feel like I, I I did some of my job, you know, uh, you know, I mean, about if it was just one person, I feel like I did some of my job, you know, and I mean, as you said, you know, I mean, when I had Jay and uh, Paz K on the road with me, you know, they were coming out in the middle of the show. But yeah, our show was really put together real tight knit. And even with them, Sometimes, I don't know if you ever noticed that sometimes I would switch up the order, like, you know, let Paz rhyme first and Jay go last, or, you know, vice versa. And usually when I did that is when I, I knew that we were in a city that really, really liked lyrics, like a city where people go crazy when they hear Raw, when they hear Set It Off, but they kind of, you know, laid back when I do Half Stepping or Smooth Operator. I know, okay, Jay need to go last because when he start doing that fast rapping stuff, they're going to go crazy. You know, other cities where, um, you know, I know that they're more like, you know, um, commercial. Um, I would let Paz go last because I know that Paz going to kill him with all the funny stuff and punchlines, you know. So it was like just understanding stuff like that, uh, you know, and like and this is about 
featured artists in my set, not even me. But at the end of the day, it makes the whole show look good, you know. And that's one of the things that you said so prominently on on the podcast is how it was about everybody. It was about making the whole tour sound good, the whole tour look good. I got to, I got to, you put a smile on my face because I think about cities that love lyrics, right? So it's the city and, and just, you don't have to, it's not about thumbs up, thumbs down, giving props or love to one city or not. And I don't want like the, the small nucleuses of pockets saying, ah, oh, now we all love lyrics. But for me, when you say lyrics, here's what I think. And you could say yes, no, whatever. Philly. Absolutely. Baltimore. I don't I don't really remember Baltimore being like that, but okay. definitely Philly. DC. Absolutely. Richmond. Not Norfolk, Richmond. Absolutely. Norfolk sometimes. <laughs> Norfolk sometimes off and on. I spent three years in radio there. So I think Norfolk would be more like the commercial, you know. Absolutely. You know, Richmond, Absolutely. Richmond. Yeah. All those day. two. And there was a city. Do you remember Roanoke, Virginia? Yeah. Lyrics. <laughs> like, I don't know what it was about Roanoke, Virginia. Yeah, they we did Roanoke the day before, well, several days before we did Detroit on that yes, tour. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So Detroit also, Detroit, yeah, lyrics. Chicago, lyrics. Absolutely. Not Milwaukee. Milwaukee's a laid-back city. Be, I think that would be more commercial, your commercial success, yeah. Cleveland, lyrics. Cincinnati. I, I can't remember. Cincinnati, yeah. Absolutely. Lyrics. Lyrics. Cincinnati was like a, one of those strange crowds, but definitely <laughs> lyrics. Yeah, definitely <laughs> lyrics. Because the girls all looked commercial, but the dudes were all like serious. I remember there's a shout out to uh, WIZF in Cincinnati. It's a great hip hop station. I've always been. But there's a girl that runs that say she's like the funk master flex or used to be DJ Dime Piece. This girl looks like a model and is all about lyrics. It's very rare for a DJ. Because you think about DJs, you think about tempo and you think about beats. Dime Piece is a like she recites lyrics like, like you did with Grandmaster Kaz on the first episode of, of the podcast, which I want to get into as well. Um, but I love that with those one of those things that for me, because I was a lyric dude always. Um, so I'm assuming she's from Cincinnati. Yes, sir. IZF. Yes, sir. Um, which was a great radio station and still is great, great radio station in terms of playing, playing rap music. Yeah. But all of those cities that we mentioned, like, and then as you kind of go down, you know, you go down, you go to like Indianapolis, you go, you know, and we could do this all day. Literally, we could chart <laughs> every city, you know, San Francisco, you know, the, I could keep you all day just on the map that we it, would. It's an amazing place, L.A., because it really depends where you performing. Right. That's exactly right. In one part of L.A., lyrics. Lyrics. You could be another part. And you know, you get lyrical, they like, look, man, but what you gonna do half stepping? I came here for half stepping a smooth operator. What's all this other shit, man? You know, right. it really depends where you at. Right, where you at. So if yeah. you but here's the thing. The first time I went to LA, i uh, this is a really funny story. First time I ever went to LA, I stayed at the Hyatt Hotel, hmm. or the as they call it, the Hollywood Riot. <laughs> and we stayed on the top floor, and little Richard. <laughs> lived in the penthouse yeah. of the Hollywood Hyatt and would walk the top floor in his bathrobe. I have a picture with him, right? I called Russell to yell at him because I was like, yo, what the fuck you have you me all the way out here in the middle of nowhere on Hollywood? Like, I could see downtown from here. <laughs> I could see downtown LA because I'm a New York kid. So mm -hmm. when I see big-ass buildings, I'm like, that's where the action is. I had no idea I was in the center of, of Hollywood. I was in the center oh, of the action. Okay, okay. I'm in just some Hollywood, Hollywood Hyatt. And I'm like, why am I not downtown? Like, you got us all the way out here and bump fuck nowhere, right? Well, you know, that, that Hyatt on Sunset, they used to call that the Hip Hop Hotel, because that's pretty oh, yeah. much where everybody, everybody stayed. stayed. Unless yeah. you had some bread and was across the street at Mondrian. But, you know, 
pretty much everybody, you know, right. like, you know, I remember some majority of my first shows, man, we was, that's what we was. I hired on Sunset. That was yeah. A spot. yeah. Right. And then you had the comedy store right next door. Mm -hmm. And if you were lucky, they'd let you in, you know, uh, Mitzi Shore, may she rest in peace. You know, her son, Paulie was a big hip hop head. So he'd let you in, you know, see some, some comedy. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't until you sold some records that you got to stay at the Mondrian across the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they built the House of Blues right across the street from the Mondrian, and that was a that was a lyric spot. That yeah. was a lyric spot. If you were doing shows at the you know the Hollywood Bowl, or if you were at the Palladium, or the Palace, those were lyric spots. Yeah. Anywhere in East Hollywood, <laughs> East LA, you better be doing the hits. Because that majority of that Spanish crowd, they're not, <laughs> they're barely keeping up with English. They're not trying, you know, and it's the K Day audience. So, you know, it, they're not trying to hear none of that. Even that spot on Sunset, I don't think it was whisk, whisk, whiskey, um, whiskey or go go. It was another one. Like it was the Troubadour. Old, the Troubadour? Nah, it's an old spot. Like been there, like, like Otis Redden and all them catches performed there. Not whiskey or go go. The Roxbury? No, nah, that's you going the other way. Okay. I'm oh, you, I'm so going further down. Um, headed towards Malibu, that direction. Okay, got you. Head yeah, I headed towards downtown. Okay, got you. Got you. Yeah, I know the Troubadour was right there. So you got the Troubadour, like where Whiskey Go Go. Yeah, like either like close to like San Vicente or Larrabee. Okay. Um, that over there. Yeah. Because there's a few, there's a couple of clubs over there. Yeah. There's two of them. that's like historic spots, man. And like one of them, I remember playing there, like, uh, cause I remember a live album from, I don't know whether it was Sam Cooke or Otis, somebody from, so I'm excited. And, and, and then I get on stage and it's like, I'm into my arcane shit and they looking at me like, you know, like you want to do smooth operator or not, bro. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, no, I, I, I um, now, now my head is my head is spinning. I'm trying to remember the name of that venue that you're thinking of because I can I can because the whiskey a go goes right there, like right there near Larry. On the same side of the street as the Hyatt on Sunset Comedy right. Store, Pink Dot, all that. It's on the yep. same same side of the street. Same, same side of the street. Yep. I can I can and then you had Mel's Diner. Um. Oh, you talking about the diner joint right there? Yeah, um, Mel's Diner. Mel's Diner right there. Yeah, Mel's Mel's Diner. So anyway, but but you know, I, I also <laughs> I also remember you saying to me when we started talking about this and talking about doing the podcast, mm -hmm. you know, I started asking you about your time in LA. And I I asked you point blank, um, did you go out to LA and lose your mind? <laughs> Do you remember what you said to me? No, what did I say? Yeah, search. <laughs> lost my mind out there. Like I became everything I wanted to ever be. Like that was who, and it made like I laughed so hard when you said it because you were so honest. But I can I just imagine that like you as a young man with the love that you have for you know Shaft, for James Brown, for Black Hollywood, the Glitz, mm -hmm. Mahogany, you know. Diana Ross, like, you know, all of that is such a big part of who you are. It's your DNA. That to be welcomed into Jim Brown's house. Like how, there's no, like, when when I said that, did you lose your mind? Like you understood what I meant when I said that, like you were living your dream. No, I mean, no, it, it, it was beautiful. And I mean, in all honesty, Jim Brown, man, he was like, so helpful um, with a lot of things that I was trying to do because I was trying to break out into Hollywood and I needed to be out there a whole lot. And, um, you know, the first time, you know, I met Jim Brown, we was up at uh, Minister Farrakhan house and he just, you know, talked to me in the corner and was like, <laughs> so you, you, you rap guys, y'all just come up here in the Minister Farrakhan house and just say, fuck it, huh? You all right, man. You all right, man. And I mean, I'm like, you know, like, hey, man, it's a pleasure meeting you. You know, yeah, he's such a simple. Yeah, man, look here, man. When you in L.A., you come stay at my house. You don't need no motherfucking hotel. 
just come stay at my house, man. And he meant it. Like I came and he gave me um a key to 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 the front door, told me pick a bedroom. And so anytime I came out there and had to work or do what I had to do, it was like, you know, I just come fly out, go straight to his house, and you know, just walk in there. He sometimes he don't even be in town. You know? That's un that's unreal. Nah. But yeah, it's but it's but I just think about a young man like yourself who in getting to know you also, you know, you have this amazing mom, this amazing father, this amazing brother, you have this amazing insular family who, and you have, you know, you're, you know, you're really, really on a trajectory, whether it's in middle school, you know, doing great in school, whatever pivot you had, you had, but you have this trajectory and you see it. There's a visibility that you see it and then you live it. And the heroes that are not only your matriarchal and your patriarchal, but your heroes are welcoming you into their realm, their, you know, their realm where yeah. they break bread. Um, it, it, it takes you to a place that I don't think many people get to see and get to witness. But it also takes you away from the people that you normally get to see. So did you feel that at that point, at that point as well, you were kind of separating yourself from the people you grew up with? The people that might say, oh, he's staying with Jim Brown. He changed like he now he's, I, he's a different I was, I was already separating myself from a lot of people that I grew up with and um, hung out with. Because it's like, you know, if 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 your mind frame, you know, stays the same, you kind of box yourself in, you limit yourself, you know. So therefore, in situations where I'm trying to excel and I'm around people that's, you know, feeding me negativity and sometimes, you know, negativity can come in a form of support, you know. Someone can be sitting there like, so you fail at something. Someone can be sitting there saying, well, you know, they're not going to let a black man do this. You know that they don't respect hip hop this way. You know, they don't, you know, and as you feed into that, then, you know, you feel like, yeah, you're absolutely right and give up, you know. But, you know, if you say, man, shh, they may not let hip hop, but they're going to let me, God damn it, you know. You know, if you feel like that, then you're going to win. You're going to achieve it. You know what I'm saying? Your focus is going to become even stronger and clearer. You know, so that's the mentality I had to have. And when I see that I'm with people that I'm, I'm cool with, you know, it's like, you know, we still going to hang. You know what I'm saying? I still come around, you know, you know, you know, bust open a bottle of Remy or whatever and sip, you know, talk shit, swallow spit. We can do all that, you know. But I mean, with that journey, you may not be able to be a part of it anymore. Because, you know, you, you don't see it, you know, you don't see it and you can be holding me down. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's not saying that I won't come back later on and say, hey, I got this going on. You want in? You want to do this? But on that journey, I may have to do it without you because you're not there mentally. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 you don't you don't see the vision that I see, you know, so I. I mean, I already had that type of understanding. So as I'm going on that journey, yeah, I'm meeting new people, you know, but I mean, it's like there's a lot of people that I had to let go because they wasn't trying to step your game up. You know, I mean, you, 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 you somebody that, you know, um, been on the corner, you know, um, selling weed for 10 years, you know. I come back, you know, 10 years later and see you. What's up, man? How, how you doing? How's everything? You know, oh, you know, still doing what I do. You know what I'm saying? Like, God damn, bro, you, you, ain't, you ain't stepped it up to coke or heroin or nothing yet? You just, it's still weed? You know, it, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you know, I mean, it's like I'm trying to excel. You know, and I'm not saying that to glorify, you know. No, um, no, no, no. Nobody's taking it that way. Yeah. Let's be really clear. Like, this, yeah. this, in the words of the great prophet Meek Mills, there's levels to this shit. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, it, it's about elevating where yeah. you are and, and wherever you are, whatever profession you do, is elevating to whatever the next logical step is 
to increase your opportunity. Right. I, I'm clear. I'm clear, and I think the audience is clear too. Um, but it also takes a toll on you musically um, because you're separated from the things that make you great and the things that make you familiar. Um, and that's a hard place to come back from. I, I mean, and, and again, um, that's also got to be something that it takes a toll. You know, did, did, did you see the way people reacted to your music after, you know, the first three albums as something that you could fix, recover, change, augment, or was it just about you just changing the direction for you as a, as, as a person? Um, well, you know, um, it was her probably uh, I want to say after Prince of Darkness, after my fourth studio album, that I realized, you know, because after it's a Big Daddy thing, my second album, you know, I was frustrated, you know, with the way things were going. So I just really wanted to get off of Warner Brothers, and um, I was just rushing albums, you know, Taste of Chocolate, Prince of Darkness. I was, I figured like if I could just rush these three albums, I could move on with my career and do things the right way, you know. But after that fourth album, you know, that's when, you know, now I'm here in the streets talking like, y'all Kane fell off, man. Y'all Kane stuff is um, too R&B, you know, yada, 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 whatever, you know. And um, that's when I wanted to, you know, I, I took it seriously then. And I went in to do my fifth and final Warner Brothers album, Looks Like a Job For. And I hired all the great producers of that day, you know, of that era. Um, Large Professor, Easy Mo B, Trackmasters. You know, I had them all working on it. And the album, you know, the album failed. Like we had one big song off of it with the very special joint. Um, but the album itself, it, it, it failed. And I was blaming it on them. I felt like Large Professor, Trackmasters, and Easy Mo B gave me probably stuff from they, you know, they B list, you know, they or they, you know, C list of production. You know, I was that's what I was thinking until one day I'm riding and I'm listening to a, something from Method Man. And then I think like um, a Nas joint came on afterwards. And then that's when I realized like, nah, they didn't give me no bad production. I'm like, I see what the problem is, is me. I'm still rhyming like it's 88. Like, you know, these dudes is mad behind the beat, laid back. I'm still on the beat, you know, doing, you know, um, from the 80s, you know, you know, you know, it's like, you know, so I'm like, nah, the producers didn't do me greasy. I did myself greasy, you know? And I just, you know, I just just started, you know, reconnecting with like younger cats in the hood. You know, I go, you know, um, over the Brevoy projects over in Crown Heights. You know, the you know, younger cats that you know, shorties in the street that I, you know, fuck with that way, and 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 you know, get getting a cipher with them. You know, you know, getting a cipher with these dudes, and we sit there for hours just spitting. And I'm like, you know, just listening to all the new slang that you know that I'm not using. You know, and 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 just checking these dudes vibe, you know, like like the way they ride the beat and all that there. And I started, you know, recreating my style, you know? And, you know, it was like, you know, just when I felt like I had it together tight where I wanted to be, um, you know, I might've been, a, you know, an hour late and a dollar short, you know, at that point in time. But I um, tried to do something independently and it, the vibe just wasn't, the vibe took me somewhere else where I just was like, Nah, you know what? I'm good. I'm done with this hip hop stuff. You know, yeah. I love um, the one record that I love that came out during that time, a little after, is the Big L record. Uh, to me, that is just you and Big L. The only thing that was missing is Nas on mm -hmm. that record, because it would have been Brooklyn, Queens, and Harlem, and uh, it just would have been so special. Um, <laughs> to put that together. Um, but I, I, I will share with you, I remember hearing that record maybe a year after it actually dropped. And I remember saying to my homeboy, Ill Bill, 
man, I would love a whole album of Kane sounding like this, you know? Um, and maybe it's just I was whisking nostalgic a little bit. And, um, you know, as I think about, you know, not only your podcast, but I think about, you know, the things that you have coming up um, that, I, that I hope you you want to share on this podcast. But um, I think about your contributions, not only as an actor, but now as a filmmaker and your documentary that you're doing on on lyrics and all of that. As someone who has been a contributor to the culture as an MC, um, what have you seen from the time you heard Grandmaster Kaz on that cassette tape to the MCs in 2021, whether that's a J. Cole or a Rhapsody or a Fonte or a, a Smoke Perp or a Slum Dog God or whatever? What what are some of the things that you've seen in terms of the arch in in lyricism in hip hop? Um, you know, I, I think that you know there's a lot of um, great lyricists out there. Um, you know, still to today. Um, I mean, case in point, you know this um this new J Cole project, man. I mean, um, yeah, he just showed his ass on there. But um, I, I, I think that, you know, I think that there's a lot of, you know, young, you know, talent out there that's, that's super lyrical. I feel like they don't really get the exposure um, that they deserve, but they're definitely out there, man. They're definitely out there. You know, it's just a damn shame you got to search for them, you know, but, you know. No they, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's funny, you know. I, I think that, um, and I agree, this this J. Cole record, I mean, he's just a special dude. And I was just telling somebody uh, the other day, I didn't even need to hear this album to know he was a special dude. In 2007, I heard a song called Lights, Please, that he did. Mm -hmm. When I heard that, I knew he was a special dude. I mean, that record to me, is the best J. Cole record he ever made. Um, and the song is about him laying with his lady and he's trying to put her up on game and all she's trying to do is have sex with him. And he says, the last verse, the last line he says, because he's getting mad about what's going on about the world and about parents not taking care of their kids and she said and he said in the verse she said he said she said it's okay told me to calm down and asked me to relax laid a brother down proper like he was recording tracks i know you want to save the world but for the nights please just reach over and hit the lights please lights please lights please turn off the lights but now everything just seems so right. And how you make the darkness seem so bright. I'm swearing like things might be all right. Lights, please. Whoo! Like when I heard, I mean, it, and, it, and the whole, and the beat, and when I heard he produced it, and it's off this his mixtape, the warm-up, man, there was just something so special. Like I still get goosebumps when I think about that. And as a fan of this culture, Kane, like to this day, I know it sounds silly, but when I hear somebody special, like the, the hair on the back of my neck still stands up. Like when they say something special to this day, like I still, I still get them goosebumps. Like the first time I heard OC when he came in my office and he played Time's Up and I heard him say, you lack the minerals and vitamins, ions and anions and fuck who did I offend rappers and back him up again. I was, like, I was fucking done. Mm. The same way that I heard when when you, I mean, there's just so many. I mean, like, you're moments. A, you you're a, you're an amazing you know um, product of hip hop, man, and you know you're a student of the game, a uh, fan of the game, and also you know a legend of the game, you know. So I mean, it's like with you, there's a lot of wisdom in the sport, and you 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 understand what it's about, 
you know, and the way to play it, you know. So, I mean, you know, I, yeah, <laughs> I get But it. I mean, but where I'm going with this and, and what I want to share with you, and again, man, you can tell me after we record this to edit this out. I don't care, like whatever. But we were in the car, and I can tell you this is how my mom works. <laughs> this is how my mom works. We were in the Williamsburg Bridge. We we're going over the Williamsburg Bridge. You we were playing me a song, and you were talking about to, the, the song is about what's going on in the world today. And the lyric that you dropped, because it's you rhyming against yourself, it's, it's you against you. Oh. Okay. And you said, but what about that shit, no homo? And you said, shit, I would ca take that case on pro bono. Oh, no. <laughs> the, I, I wish I could turn around. The, the, the hair in the back of my neck is standing up. The concept of that record, not only the concept, but the brilliance of it came is what I'm excited about people hearing when you drop that, whenever you drop it. I don't know, I don't, whatever. Hey, well, you know, it's about, you know, how society is today about being politically correct and how- And sensitive, and right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, like, okay, what can I say? What can I get away with saying? What's, you know? Yeah, so, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean- <laughs> I, I think that's something that can relate to everyone, you know? Cause I mean, me as someone that grew up off of, you know, um, Dolomite grown Richard Pryor. Yo, I tried to show my kids came. I tried to show my kids Eddie Murphy delirious. My wife and I were, it was, wasn't even me. It was me and my wife. That's what I was about to say. Delirious is about what I was about to say. That's yeah. What and we were sitting there and going, Oh, you guys don't know comedy. <laughs> let us show you comedy. And then he makes the whole comment about how he got to keep moving because he can't let the, you know, yeah. Gays look at his ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, so now my and my kids being 25, 26, 27, you know, 28, 20, whatever, whatever they are, in their mid-20s, they are they're looking at me and my wife like, oh, you're out of touch. You can't be showing this to us. Like, this is inappropriate. This is culturally, this is racially inappropriate. This the is, gay you know, this is homophobic. Hilarious. Um the jokes about, you know, getting the shotgun. I'm not the shotgun, get whatever it was, the 44 Magnum, the 44 Magnum after um his um his white wife and Richard Pryor made in um live in concert, you know, that one shit. Damn near every episode of Sanford and Son, um, All in the Family, you know The Jeffersons, like, Jefferson Married with Children. Yeah. You know, it's like a lot of that stuff just would not fly right now, you know? And it's like, oh, man, it's like, okay, you know, you know, I mean, I, I understand that, you know, we in, a, we in a messed up society and like, you know, the, race, the racial tension has grown over the past, you know, several years. But God damn, you know, you know, comedians, you know, you know, they just, you know, you know, it's just they just being comedians, you know. I mean, it's not like 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 George Carlin. That's a political comedian, you know. I can see you, you know, like like okay, what you you know, but them dudes, man, you know, they just telling jokes, man, you know. And rest in peace to the great George Carlin because he is one of the best to ever do it, you know. But I mean, he's more considered like a political comedian in in a way of speaking, you know. So I can see that, but with with. Rubber cats, man, it's like, you know, these just comedians just telling jokes, man. You know what I'm saying? You know, y'all need to get the fart, man, or something, man. Burp, man, get that shit out of you, man. It's, it's, it's not that serious, man. Yeah, you know? and I, I think that a lot of what we did early on, I, I and again, I, I've told this story now uh, outside of just, you know, you telling your story. I remember Kiss FM telling Wes Johnson, who is the head of promotion at Def Jam, we will never play that trash public enemy. That is negative ghetto street music. Mm. And the record that they were promoting was Fight the Power. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's one of the biggest hip-hop songs ever, man. Most positive! 1989, the number, another summer, sound of the funky drummer, music hitting your heart because I know you got soul, brothers and sisters. I mean, what is, how, what, and now 
I mean, you want to talk about the pendulum swinging the other direction. Now I'm listening to the radio. Half the words are bleeped out because you can't say what they're saying. And if you listen to it on satellite, it's demeaning towards women. It's derogatory. It's offensive. It's And it's promoting drug abuse. And it's not only promoting drug abuse, but it's promoting the degradation of our own women, the degradation of the, of the family, community, love, relationships, the ability to decolonize our mindset and the way we think and the way we eat. I agree. But understand understand this as well. You know, back then you had, you know, um, people, um, you know, gangster rappers, you know, talking about, you know, busting a gun and doing this, you know, and it's like, you know, the argument you could hold would be, okay, where did he bust his gun? Where's his criminal record? This dude just talking, man. This is just a song, man. He just talking. You know, this shit ain't real. You can't let this influence you. That could be your argument back then against a lot of the gangster rap. Now it's like when they talking about popping these pills and you know, what's your argument? You can't sit there and say, well, when is he popping these pills? He not, yeah, he doing it because about 50% of the young rappers are dying from drug overdoses. So therefore it's creating like a thing where, you know, that's normal and an expectancy for the younger generation. See what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. There's no room for argument because they really doing it and dying from it. But and it's your documentary, your, doc, your newest documentary is about lyrics. I mean, that's what your documentary is about, right? Like, Yes. You spent a great deal of time talking to the greats about lyrics. Yes. And not just greats from the past, greats of today, too, because it's like um, my whole thing is like I just want a younger generation to have some sort of uh, glossary or dictionary or um, encyclopedia, however you want to visualize it, you know, you know, a documentary that you can look at, you know, um, and just hear the thoughts of other MCs their thought process, how important lyrics are to them for, you know, whatever you planning to do with your future in the music business, you know? Cause I mean, you know, I, 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 I didn't really, really had that, have that, you know, we, know, we had a few cassette tapes, you know what I'm saying? That had, um, uh, um, um, Kaz and Modi, you know, spitting like, you know, you know, the ones that Furious was on, they was really, doing routines, you know what I mean? But I mean, you know, we we had like some, you know, we, you hear them spitting, but we didn't really have that. You know, a lot of stuff I learned, you know, I, I learned from Smokey Robinson, Chris Christopherson, you know, you know, uh, like, like, like as far as like lyrical stuff and the way to put stuff to get words together, you know? So tell us about the documentary and, and when you expect it to be out, like, tell us a little bit more about the documentary. The documentary is called Paragraphs Manifest, and it's, you know, me talking with a lot of other rappers about lyrics. Um, I'm talking to the pioneers, um, like Melly Mel and Grandmaster Kaz, and letting them talk about, you know, um, the origin of rhyme and how they became those game changers, you know, especially Melly Mel. Because you know, prior to him, everybody was a you know, like that's the dude. Melly Mel is the one that structured MC into where I rhyme, you rhyme, Nas, Jay Z, Biggie, Tupac, Eminem, everybody on up to the day. It was all structured by Melly Mel, you know. So I mean, we have him talking about you know what he did in the beginning, you know, and how it was, and then also we have. Them, those same pioneers, the inventors, you know what I'm saying? Clearing up the whole thing about freestyle, you know, because you, since everybody believes that freestyle is off the dome and not written, you hearing them clearing it up. That no, freestyles are written rhymes. Off the dome is off the do- Well, we said off the dome in the um, 80s. Them in the 70s, they, they called it off the top. 
You know, when you didn't write it, they called it off the top because Dome wasn't slang in the seventies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. But they, but you hear them. They, they, they explain it and break it all down. And then you know, you know, yeah, man, we, we, we have some. Um, we, I even talk with the battle rappers, Goods the Animal, Aver, talk about how battle rap is today, um, versus how we used to do it. You know, because I was explaining to them, you know, like, you know, like. Nah, you couldn't like stop and pause back then. You know, you 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 stop, then that's the end of your verse. You, you know, <laughs> even if it's like, like four bars in, you stop. Then hey, your that your that round you only did four bars. Next dude get to go. You know, yeah. you, you might I have mean, to find my uh, you might have to find my new music seminar battle shit right there. I might need to get some burn on that man. I I definitely slayed some dudes in in my time on stage, uh, but <laughs> but. Yeah, man. No, it was it was so funny because I was I was saying this too. Like I remember when I used to battle people, uh, and I'd come off top because a lot of people didn't really come off top. Like a lot of people were just you know written rhymes, mm -hmm. but they would rhyme with either a beatbox or they would like be you know banging on a table. And because I went to a music school, I'd be like, no, I'm gonna go a cappella. And motherfuckers would be going, what you mean you're going acapulco? What the fuck are you talking about? We rhyming right here. And I'm like, no, 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 a cappella. I don't need no beat. I don't need no beat acapella. It was just anyway. It's funny to me. Anyway, <laughs> no, nah, I mean you know, in the lunchroom, yeah, you gonna bang on it. You gonna bang on the lunch table, bang, you know? Or you know, beatbox. There was, was a lot of, whenever there was, was battles. Yard, yeah, you beat. Somebody got a beatbox, a human beatbox. I mean, nah, I, I I like to rhyme acapella as well too. You know? Yeah, but I remember the first time I ever said that. I forgot where I was. I, I I usually say it was Vandermeer projects, but it was I know it wasn't Vandermeer. But I remember telling this dude, I'm gonna go acapella. Uh off the, I'm gonna go off the off the off top acapella. And he was like, What you mean you're going to Acapulco? What the fuck are you talking about? We rhyming right here. <laughs> no, but you know, I actually remember like that being a slang term at one point for acapella. Yeah, and, Acapulco. Yeah, we used to say Acapulco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was like in the like the nineties after yeah. after like we had already yeah, burned later. through it. Like I'm a yeah. I'm a 17 year old 18 year old kid like saying acapella. <laughs> Looking at me crazy. You know what like, that word meant? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like they had no idea to fucking acapella. Yes, it's from the Italian. It means to you know comes from you know. I went to a music school, so I was a, a bit of a nerd. Um, man, I, I I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you, Kane, and how much the world has really taken on to hearing your story and. Um, if people don't know the name of the podcast, is to ever tell you the one about podcast, to ever tell you the one about Big Daddy Kane. Uh, there's nine episodes. Um, the response has been amazing. I, I really hope that it has helped you come out of your shell a little bit. <laughs> people getting to know you a little bit more. Um, I also love the fact that, um, and 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 we can we can end it on this. You know, you talk about Kaz and his influence on you. Um, and uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the whole show, uh, the whole the whole podcast, besides you, your brother's rib tip story, which I won't ruin if you haven't listened to the podcast. You should listen to it. But when you started talking about being a young man, hearing Kaz, Ramen Dolo, uh, and and then we talked to Kaz and he reminded, he remembered those rhymes like just off the top. And then, you know, we put it together so that you and him kind of rhyming together. Um, you know, we presented Kaz with the record. We made the record for him, the baddest. Um, we didn't realize that it was the first time he had ever owned his own recording. You know, and it was the first time he was able, ever able to actually 100% own his writing and his publishing. Um, so I want to thank you for the opportunity to allow us to do that for him. Because nah, without you, you sharing you did, that story. You did a good thing, man. You know, cause I mean, Kaz is a special person and a special artist, man. You did a good thing, man. You know, I ain't got nothing to do with that, man. That's not accurate because if you would not have remembered those lyrics and would not have shared that story with us, we would not have talked to him about it. And it would not have just triggered the first domino has to get hit for the rest of the dominoes to fall. <laughs> and and you were the and you were the first domino right there. So I uh, thank you for that, okay. brother. Thank you. It's all love, man. It's all um, love. Man. Yeah, of course, man. And um, again, paragraphs I manifest. It's coming out soon. 
Uh, we hope it's on Netflix, right? Is that going to be the platform? Yeah, it's going to be Netflix. It's going to be the platform. Ah, that's amazing. Can't wait to see that. That's Paragraphs on Manifest, executive produced by Big Daddy Kane. Um, some great artists are going to be involved in that as well. The podcast, as you know, I ever tell you the one about is out now on Apple and Spotify and everywhere you can enjoy podcasts. Kane, always a pleasure, sir. Much love, Serge, man. My brother. For life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And anytime you want to talk to me about King's son, and anytime you want to talk to me about Paz K, just call me. We could kick it all day. <laughs> all day. I told you the recent one. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we gave, yeah, we gave you your name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trust me, it was my I was gonna empty, I was gonna open the podcast with that joke saying Oh, you gotta love King, Asi King Asiatic, nobody's equal. Given <laughs> <laughs> Given his name by the great King Son. <laughs> Y'all love that brother, man. Gotta shout out to King brother. Son and yes, Demo Wet. And, uh, and shout out to all of our legends. Sir I Boo. Shout out to Sir that Masters of Ceremony, Don Barron. Shout out to all our legends. Lord Teru and the Eternal Force. I could go on and on. Oh, yeah. Double trouble like all of our heroes, man. All of our heroes. Thank you, Kane. All right, brother. Peace. Peace. All right. So coming up, we got more shows. We got more excitement, more runnings. Uh, again, thank you to Kane. Thank you to our sponsors, Bruetta T. Um, again, if you are interested in having Bruetta in your store, if you want to have Bruetta in your shop, in your office, go to Bruetta T. That's B-R-U-E-T-T-A dot com. And uh, we got a little surprise for Kane. We're going to be sending him a little something special as well. So shout out to him. And also, um, as you know, our Kim Coles fund is still at zero. <laughs> so anyway, no, nah, I'm not going to even go there. Um, you know what? I'm just going to leave it alone. Anyway, I love y'all. Thank you. We got more show. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned. Stay with us. In the words of my wife, Chantel, please remember throughout your day to say what you mean and mean what you say. Someone turns to you and says, have a good day. Turn around and say you have a better one because what I want for myself, I want twice as much for you. And please, whatever you do, make sure you have an agenda in this life so someone will give you one. Someone might give you one. It might not be nice. So always have a plan. We love y'all. Talk to y'all soon. Peace. A lot of y'all have been asking me to help you. I have over 450 DMs of people who want my help. I didn't know how to help all of you until now. I have joined VidSig, V-I-D-S-I-G. You can download the app now and schedule time for me to break bread with you. I can give you advice on your business, whether you're trying to get into the music business, whatever the business is, I believe I have the knowledge and the know-how to at least give you some consultation and some support where you need it to help your business grow. And I'm not just another celebrity on VidSig, I am now the chief creative consultant for VidSig. So I'll be bringing others like me onto the platform to help you. So join VidSig, join me, and join the community. That's V-I-D-S-I-G. Download the app today. What's up, guys? Today we are here with the Ruetta Tea Tumbler. They recently called me and they said, Austin, it's perfect for coffee, too. So that's what we're going to do today. Touch water on the kettle, and I start out with 19 grams of whole bean coffee. Everyone's favorite sound in the morning. With most coffee makers, you have to have a funnel like a V60 with filters, or you have to have a French press or a Chemex, and all of that is expensive, it's complicated, but with the Bruetta, all you have to do is you add your grounds right into the cup. And then with their fine mesh strainer here, acts as a French press for you. So after your water finishes heating up, all you have to do, add it straight in. And you're ready to go. Is there a way to end a coffee commercial? No? Did I ever tell you the one about Big Daddy Kane? Did I ever tell you what it was like to listen to hip hop and growing up in Brooklyn before Jay-Z, before Biggie, before me, and before Houdini? Did I ever tell you about Patti LaBelle? 
and working with the great Bobby White, did I ever tell you what it was like to pose with Madonna and Naomi Campbell? Did I ever really tell you about Big Daddy Kane? Did I ever tell you the one about podcasts? Because this season is all about me.